Wildwood Community Church exists to glorify God by connecting people to Christ, His worship, His community, and His mission. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. Well, good morning. Hey, it is great to see you today, and I'm excited that we have the chance to look into God's Word today. Uh, We're going to do that. As you know, if you've been with us this summer, we've been in a series on the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to take a break from that today uh, to fulfill a childhood fantasy of mine. A childhood fantasy of mine is to one day, one day, preach in front of a giant thing of French fries. And, and so, no, this is not about some dream that I have. This is actually, if you've been around Wildwood for a while, you know that this week is our VBS week. And this week we are hosting a number of children from our community, and we have the incredible privilege of helping to connect them to Christ. And our theme this year is Let's Eat. But just a couple of things you need to know. VBS is this week. It's June the 6th through the 9th, Tuesday through Friday this week. We have over 600 kids already registered for the week, and we have over 190 volunteers who are connected. So chances are either your kid is coming or you know a kid who's coming, and chances are either you're coming to help uh, staff this adventure or you know somebody who is. And so as we gather today, we just are excited about what's coming. And and make no mistake, you look at the stage, you see this, there's no doubt in your mind that we're going to have some fun this week. And we are. We're going to have a great time with the kids. But also, our theme is designed to help introduce these kids to Christ. And we're going to walk through that every day, helping to introduce these children to Christ. A number of these kids, folks, are from outside of our church, and we get the privilege of pointing them to Christ this week. Well, how will we do that, and how does it fit with this theme of Let's Eat? Well, the, the idea is that we're going to gather around a table, a table that God has set before us. And so we think of this world that, that God has created. This is what we're going to talk about on Tuesday, that God has set a table before us in this world to invite us into a relationship with himself. And so using the things we know, using the world that is around us in the created order, God is inviting us into a relationship with himself. And not only has he set this table before us, but there has been a personal invitation. God has has come along and he said, hey, I want you to come and I want you to spend some time at this table. You have been invited to this table. All 600 of these children who are coming this week, they've been invited to this table to have fellowship with God. And the picture that we see of that in scripture is this picture of Levi, the tax collector, Matthew, right? And Jesus goes and has a meal with him at his house. And even though Matthew was a sinner, even though Levi is a sinner, Jesus comes and invites him into a relationship, and that gives hope for all of us sinners who are here, right? There's a table that has been set before us, and we've been invited to the table, but there's an important step. We need to know more than just that there's been an invitation that's been extended, but we need to actually come and sit down at the table. That's the receiving in faith the gracious gift that God has offered. We have been invited to take a seat at the table in fellowship with the God who created us. And then lastly, on Friday, we're going to talk about how we're invited to invite others to the table. We get to live on mission with Christ. And so this is the plan for this week of VBS. I'm one of the teachers this week for VBS, and so I'm going to be delivering the message on Thursday to the kids, which focuses on this idea of take a seat at the table. And specifically that day, we're going to be looking at John chapter 6, verses 22 through 40. And this morning, I thought it would be great for us as we kind of set the table for the week that we would look at John 6, 
22 through 40 together, because this is a passage that is not just important for children. This is a passage that is important for you and me as well. And so we're going to look at John 6, 22 through 40 this morning to see what God has for us. And, and after we look at this passage together, we're going to then have the Lord's Supper together. And so know that we're headed there this morning, and so invite you to come to the table and have a meal with Christ today. So we're going to first read John chapter 6, verses 22 through 40, and then we'll back up and see more of what it has for us. In John chapter 6, we see this account of Jesus who has begun His public ministry. Uh, He has begun to work some miracles. He has begun to preach some messages. And one of the recent miracles that Jesus has just done is He has just fed 5,000 people, men only. There were maybe 12,000 total there, counting women and children, with just, as you see over here, five loaves and a couple of fish. He just took a young boy's lunch, and he blesses that, and he feeds the multitude. And then the disciples get on a boat, and they cross the the Sea of Galilee, and they head to another part of the region, and Jesus walks on water to get there with them. And then we see the events unfold of John chapter 6, beginning in verse 22. This is what it says. It says, on the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with His disciples, but that His disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor His disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus." Now, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in Him whom He has sent. So they said to Him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers, they ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is He who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to Him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to Me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in Me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen Me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives Me will come to Me, and whoever comes to Me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. And this is the will of Him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that He has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. Friends, this is the account of John 6. And as we look at it this morning, I want us to see a couple of things to focus our attention inside of this passage. And the first thing I want us to see is this, 
There is something better than bread. There is something better than bread. Now, we see this unfold in Jesus' interaction with the people there around the Sea of Galilee. I mentioned earlier that Jesus had recently performed this miracle of feeding 12,000 people. And you can imagine how popular that would make somebody. I mean, think about it. If, if you are, have the opportunity to go watch game two of the NBA Finals tonight and somebody else is furnishing the pizza, you are more likely to go because you have an opportunity at a, at a meal and a meal with some friends. Think of how much more so it would be if there was someone who was able to take just very small resources and bless them into a feast for you and 11,999 of your friends. Jesus had become wildly popular because of this miracle. So popular, it says here in John 6, that people were running around the lake, around the lake to find him. Jesus was on one part of the Sea of Galilee where he performed the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 plus the women and children. And after that meal, the disciples head across the lake to another side. Uh, Jesus walks on water and goes ahead of them, and, and they start becoming a detective. Where is Jesus? He wasn't on the boat. We counted 12 heads. Where is he? What were they saying? We're seeking him, but why? So he could give us another meal. Because guess what? The meal he gave us last night is beginning to wear off. I don't know if you're like me. Do you, do you get hungry again after a meal? They did too. They ate their fill the night before. By the next morning, they were still hungry. And so they went to seek Jesus. They went to find him so that they might get bread. And so they run ahead of him, and they find him there, and they said, hey, how did you get here? We need to connect with you. Why? Because we want bread. Now, here's the thing. You can imagine this scenario. Jesus was becoming very popular. At this point, there were not just those in Capernaum that Jesus was interacting with, but now it's those in Capernaum plus those that he fed on the other side of the lake. Now, we don't know how many of those made the journey up to be with Jesus, but a number of them did. His crowd was growing. And I'm sure that as that crowd was growing, there was at least one of the disciples who was counting heads. And they were going, you know, wow. 4,000, Jesus, the number is going up, 5,000, 7,000, 11,000, capacity crowd. And there was some excitement that was building among the followers of Christ because people were seeking Jesus. And you know what? We might expect that Jesus would have been excited also. We might have expected as the crowd was growing and as the attendance number was shared that Jesus might have gone, yes. People are coming to me. I've come to seek and to save the lost. Now people are seeking me. This is great. We might have expected that, but Jesus didn't celebrate in that moment. He challenged them. Why? Because they had come to him seeking bread. And Jesus knew that there was something better than bread. Look at what it says in verses 25 and following. They, they found him on the other side of the sea, and they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you that you are seeking me, but not because you saw the signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. You have come here, friends, seeking bread. And Jesus knew that though they were seeking the bread, their hearts weren't ready for the real riches that he was to offer. Jesus knew that there was something better than bread. We, we see that admission 
in verse 27. He says, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. Jesus came not just to fill their stomachs for a little while. He came to offer them something that would last. He came to offer them not temporary life. He came to offer them eternal life. And though they were seeking him for the temporary, he wanted them to find their rest and their hope in him for the eternal. And so Jesus challenges them in this way. See, Jesus says that the the bread that they were seeking would spoil. Now, we know that, right? You have any food in your house that ever goes bad? Bread is one of those things that goes bad for us. We're not gluten intolerant or anything. We just don't eat a lot of bread. So we buy a loaf of bread, and invariably, the bread will go bad before we eat it. Does that happen in your house? And that's in a day and age where there's preservatives and all this kind of stuff. Imagine in the culture where Jesus lived, how long of a shelf life did that bread have? I mean, at what point did it go from bread to crouton, right? Well, what's that, what's that point? It, the, the bread had a, had a temporary life. Jesus said, you're seeking something that's going to go bad. And here's the thing. Jesus knew that they were seeking something that even when they, they ate it, it would only satisfy them for a little while, right? I mean, you have a meal today at lunch. Guess what? You're going to want another one. On a regular rhythm, I need more food. How about you? Three times a day, I, I have a desire to eat. I mean, honestly, I have a desire to eat more often than that. I'm like a hobbit, like second breakfast, right? I, I, we have a desire for food that is regular, it's ongoing. We, we can't satisfy it. And Jesus said, I, I've come to offer you something more than just a temporary fix. I've come to offer you something eternal. Think about the best food that we have, the best food, organically grown, grass-fed, whatever it is, whatever your, your primo, highest quality food there is, how long will it sustain your life? If you eat only the best foods, how long will you live? You're not making it to 150. You're not making it to 150. The temporary blessing of bread provides life only for a short while. Jesus has come to offer something more than a temporary blessing. He's come to offer something eternal. And yet, the people weren't ready to receive that. Friends, we need to remember this as well, right? We need to remember this truth that there is something better than bread because we are tempted to come to Jesus just for the bread, just for the temporary. See, we, we come to Jesus sometimes because we want the quick fix for some area of our life. It's a felt need that drives us to Jesus. We want to know how to handle our finances better. We want to know some advice on parenting. We want to know some advice on marriage. Those are the things that, that drive us to Jesus sometimes. But, but guess what? Jesus wants more for us than just those things. Now, make no mistake, he wants those things for us. The, the provision of the bread actually met a real need. It actually sustained their life for a while. But the point of what Jesus is making in John 6 is that he has come for more than that. Not opposed to that, but for more than that. He wants us to seek him for more than just the temporary. He wants us to seek him for the eternal. Are we coming to Christ just for the bread? Are we coming to Christ just so that we can have our, our temporary earthly lives get incrementally a little better? Or are we coming to Christ understanding that he is offering something better? He is offering something that will not perish. He is offering something that is eternal. 
There is something better than bread. And we, we see that. Jesus reminds us in this passage, knowing that there is something out there that is better than bread, something that is eternal, is why the mission of the church is what it is. Pastor Kevin DeYoung says this about the mission of the church. He calls it the Great Commission. He says, in the end, the Great Commission must be the mission of the church for two very basic reasons. There is something worse than death, and there is something better than human flourishing. Run that against our our grid of bread. We think of bread as human flourishing. We think of eating organic food as extending our life just a little bit. Jesus is offering something that goes beyond that. He's offering a solution to our eternal problem. Because we sin and fall short of the glory of God, there is judgment waiting for us. And Jesus has come not just to make our lives a little better. He has come to offer his life as a sacrifice so that our eternity can be with him forever. Friends, as we gather here today, we need to remember that there is something that is better than bread. Jesus makes that clear. The second thing we need to see from this passage is this. We need to believe in the bread of life. We need to believe in the bread of life. Jesus is talking about this something that is better than bread, and he he zeroes in and he lets them know that it's himself. That he's offering to them a bread of life that leads to eternal life. And he tells us several things uh, about this special bread of life that he's offering. The first thing that he tells us is that this bread is given by him. It is given by him. We see this in the second part of verse 27. We've already seen at the beginning of that verse, he says, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. But then it continues and says, which the son of man will give to you for on him, God, the father has set his seal. The idea here is that that Jesus is the one who will give to us this bread. We will not find it someplace else. We'll not find it in a store. We will find it through the provision of Christ. We will not find it primarily through another man or another woman, but we will find this provision of life that is offered through Jesus himself. It says that's because he's been given the seal of God. It's like God's credit card. God's ability to bless has been given to Christ so that whom he chooses to bless, the fullness of God's blessing might come to them. The blessing that is talked about here that leads to eternal life, the thing that is better than bread, it is given to us by Jesus. We'll talk more in a second about what that means, but it's important to see his declaration there. He continues on in verses 30 through 32, and he begins to interact with them about some of their expectation about where this blessing might come. See, when Jesus does a miracle related to food, keep in mind, these are Jewish people. So what are they thinking? Okay, hey, let's think for a moment. When in history did God give us special food? I know, somebody says. It was back in the Old Testament time when Moses led us out of Egypt and we were in the wilderness and God provided manna, this bread from heaven. When Jesus is talking about the bread of life, they're beginning to think, I know the answer to this. He's talking about manna. And Jesus, when he talks about it, he seems like he's talking about it really good. It's like enriched manna that he's talking about. And so their expectation was that God was going to give them some new form of manna from heaven. And we see that unfold in verses 30 through 32. They said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see you and believe? What work do you perform? Our fathers, they ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. 
And Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. Jesus looked right through their eyeballs and into their minds and right through their chest and into their hearts and understood what they were really saying. What they were saying as they asked this question was, hey, Moses gave us manna, what, what are you going to give us? And Jesus corrects them and says, hey, guess what? This meal has always been from my Father. It's always been from my Father. The blessing that you seek is given by Him. And Jesus, as the Son of God, is extending that blessing to us. The blessing is from Him. They were thinking that the blessing was from Moses. And Jesus said, it's not from Moses. It's from God Himself. Now, friends, listen to this. This is important for us to see. Because we live in a time that we are tempted to do a very similar thing. We are tempted to think that the blessing of God comes to us through another person. It doesn't come ultimately from God. It comes from another person. They were tempted to think that God's blessing came from Moses. We are tempted to think that God's blessing comes from our favorite Bible study writer. You know, we think, I'll be in that Bible study if so-and-so wrote it. I'll be in that study if so-and-so leads it. I'll go to church today if so-and-so is preaching. Because we begin to think that the blessing of God, the provision of His spiritual bread, comes from another person. But what Jesus lets us know is that Moses was not the chef. Moses was not the farmer. Moses was merely the waiter. God is the one that prepared the meal, that Moses got the privilege of blessing and delivering. And guess what? The same is true today. When I stand up here and open God's Word, I'm nothing but a waiter serving you the riches that God has extended to us. We need to remember that. We need to have an expectation when we gather around that it is God who is extending the blessing to us. It is God who is teaching us. It is God who is guiding us. That's why it's God's word that we read. That's why it's God's word that we depend on because it is God who is setting the table. We are merely waiters. That ought to prompt us and encourage us, friends, to to read God's Word on our own because even if I'm not up here to explain it to us or your favorite Sunday school teacher isn't there to explain it to you or your favorite Bible study leader hasn't written on that book yet, that this is still God's Word and God's Spirit still is powerful enough to make it readable for you to understand His message for your life. The blessing comes to us from God Himself, not from Moses, not from another man. It also got to give us some encouragement, friends. If you're one of the 190 you've signed up to help in VBS this week, guess what you are? You're a waiter or a waitress. God has prepared the meal. Sometimes we get nervous to be involved in ministry because we feel like we have to cook the meal. We feel like we have to be the chef. We feel like we have to be the farmer. Hey, God has already provided that stuff for us. We're just a waiter. We're just a waitress. We have the privilege of delivering the riches of God, the nourishment to the soul people as we share with them God's Word. Jesus says it's given by Him. Second thing we see, Jesus says that He's the meal. He is the meal. We see this in the first part of verse 35. Jesus says to them, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. He doesn't come and offer them a prayer journal. He doesn't come and offer them a Bible study plan. He comes and offers them himself, and he says, I am the bread of life. Now, certainly those things are valuable, and he can use them, but we need to remember that Jesus came and didn't offer just a plan. Jesus came and offered himself. 
He says, I am the bread of life. I have come that you might have fellowship with me. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, that you would connect to the Father in no other way but through me. Jesus is the bread of life. He didn't come and talk about it. He wasn't. He didn't offer us a plan. He offered us himself. That's why he goes to the cross. It was the full extent of his offering to make the payment for our sins so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be reconciled to God. Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. He says that I'm the one who will nourish your soul today, tomorrow, and forever. Jesus says, he is the meal. He is the bread of life. Not only that, but Jesus tells us that the provision that he provides, it's incredible. It's incredible, the provision that he provides. Look at what it says, the first part of verse 27. We've seen this already. He says, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. Everything we know in this world perishes. It'll go away. It's temporary. But Jesus says, what I am providing will last. It will go on forever and ever and ever. He says it another way down in the second part of verse 35. After saying, I am the bread of life, what does he say next? Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and who believes in me shall never thirst. What is the provision that Jesus provides? He provides an incredible provision that will not run out. Now, this is incredibly important for us to remember and to know because we have some pretty big hungers and we have some pretty big thirsts in our spiritual life, don't we? Let me ask you, how hungry are you for forgiveness? Chances are pretty hungry. Because when we come to realize the depth of our sin and the holiness of God, we understand how much we need to be forgiven of. We're pretty hungry for forgiveness. But what Jesus says is when we come to him with a hunger for forgiveness, you know what we find? We find his provision that satisfies our hunger forever. How thirsty are you for love and acceptance? Pretty thirsty. We long for acceptance. We long for love. We might act tough, but we long for it. It's not just the child in the lunchroom who longs for acceptance and love. You and I long for it as well. And yet, what do we get when we come to Christ? What we get when we come to Christ is we get this provision of his presence with us forever. He says, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you to permanently satisfy our need of acceptance. What else do we find in Christ? We find his love. He he doesn't say, I love you a little bit. He says, I love you so much that at your worst moment, I will come and die for you. Greater love has no one than this, than that they lay down their life for their friend. Jesus has come and offers us a gift that goes way beyond the temporary and the perishing, something way better than bread. He is offering us his incredible provision that will satisfy our souls forever. And those are just two examples of the provision that Christ offers. Let me ask you this. How hungry are you for a solution to the problem of death? How how thirsty are you to avoid judgment that is to come? Jesus says, if we're with him, he will raise us up, verse 40, on the last day. Friends, We come to him, we realize his incredible provision. Now, here's the thing. When we begin to see what Jesus was offering, no doubt you are thinking in your head a very similar question that they had in the first century. What's that question? Um, um, Sir, 
How do we get that bread that you're talking about? I would like some of that. How do we, how do we get that? That's, that was the question of the first century. And you know what? That's the, the question that you and I have as well, isn't it? How does this get connected to us? Is there something I need to do? Is there something I need to give to get this back in return? Is, is there a store that I need to go to? How can I get this bread that leads to eternal life? Well, Jesus doesn't leave it a mystery. He's very clear in what He says. Verse 29, Jesus answered them and said, This is the work of God, that you believe in Him whom He has sent. It's through belief. Belief in Jesus that we get access to the provision that our souls need. Verse 40, He concludes the the, the passage, the section that we're looking at today with the same comment. He says, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. It's through belief that we receive the provision that God has offered to us. And, you know, honestly, I think this is why this this picture of the table uh, makes sense, because it's a picture of uh, faith and of belief. See, when John is talking here, uh, and writing this passage and recording the words of Jesus uh, about how we get access to this bread of life. He says that the key is for us to believe, but well, what does that look like, and how does it connect to this table? You know, this chair has been sitting here, and some of you um, saw this earlier and wondered why it was here. Is this just a prop that's here? Some of you are at the back and going, what chair? Trust me, there's a chair here by faith. Believe. There's a chair right here, okay? So there's a chair right here in front of me that's here at this table. And this table was set for me. It was prepared just for this moment in the service. And in the same way, Jesus has come and has offered eternal life to us. He has set the table for us. He has laid it before us. But in order for me to come to this table, I need to do more than just look at this. I need to do more than just talk about it. But if I'm really to believe that this chair was for me, if I'm really to believe that this chair will hold me up, I need to do more than just talk about it. I need to actually sit down in it. I can walk around it. I can give you a sermon about it. I can talk about the strength of the materials, and I can talk about the four legs that are there and the, have Chris talk about the physics behind it that are holding it up or whatever. I, I could do all of that stuff, but you know what? If I never sit down in the chair, then I, I'm not actually exhibiting faith. I'm just talking. But at some point, as I sit here and I talk about it, I, I begin to realize, you know what? This is a pretty safe bet, and so I go ahead and I, I sit in the chair. Now, I'm really thankful that it held me up. That would have been a really bad illustration. But here's the thing. When I sit down in this chair, I'm exhibiting faith that this chair can hold me up. I'm exhibiting belief. And in the same way, Jesus comes and offers a seat at the table. He comes and offers us spiritual nourishment. But are we going to sit down and have that meal with Him? Are we going to really trust in Him and believe in Him and lean on Him? to be the nourishment of our soul, His death on the cross, the forgiveness for our sins, His resurrection life, our hope for eternity? Do we really believe? Are we just talking about it? Friends, I know that many of you in this room really believe. At some point in the past, you've sat down in this chair. But I also know there are some in this room that, that haven't yet. My question is, What's keeping you from sitting down? Remember, friends, the, the, 
statement that, that Kevin DeYoung I read earlier is there's something that is worse than death and there is something that is better than human flourishing. Jesus has come to offer us something more than just a temporary blessing. He, knowing that judgment is in front, Jesus has come to offer us a blessing that is lasting and eternal. Have you sat at the table? Have you accepted it? It begins in faith. It begins in belief. And we can confess that to him in prayer. Father, we thank you for the provision that you have given us in Christ. Father, thank you that you have set a table before us and have shown us the power of Jesus. And thank you that you let us know the forgiveness and the hope that is available to us only in him. Thank you that you can nourish our souls, not just for a season, but for eternity. And Father, I pray that we would be a group of people that would seek Jesus, not just for the moment, but we would seek Jesus for eternity. And Father, that we would do so in belief, believing he is who he says he was and trusting in him for our forever. We thank you and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.